Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. On today's special episode, I'm going to speak to a lot of people involved with the Partick Thistle women's team and the build-up to December's game against Hearts to see just how much effort goes into a typical match day. First up, here's Neil Struthers, Vinny Ferguson, Tom Hosey and Craig Walker. Hi, I'm Craig Walker. I'm uh, Head of Media at Paddock Thistle Women and on a match day I do a long list of things. A lot of things which aren't media and a lot of things which are media, but I look after all the media output and as well as just helping the girls and Brian and the coaching staff with whatever tasks required done and uh, looking after anything else that needs done in a match day. My prep for a match day starts the Monday before, so what I'll do is once we did have a game this Sunday there, so maybe a wee bit different this week, but usually the previous Sunday's game, once I get everything kind of out of the way for that in terms of everything up online and all the goals out and the videos and everything required for that game, I then start to plan for the week ahead. So I uh, work with a Google spreadsheet for the week. I'm very uh, organised like that. I've got a Google spreadsheet set up, whereas for every day of the week, and I put in uh, on a Monday, I start then planning what I need to then do for the week after in terms of content to advertise the game, content for build up, and then on a match day, everything that needs created and scheduled in for that game. So I start on a Monday, do all that, get everything all organised so I know where I'm at. And then usually either Monday night or Tuesday night as as tonight, uh, I'll start making up all the graphics and all the bits and bobs required for kind of the, the week ahead and before I start trying to plan all the posts in. I, I suppose it varies and I suppose it's it's more than you might want to think about. But how much time a week do you think you, you spend prepping for a, a match day? Uh, yeah, as you said, uh, probably more time than a than I care to think about. Uh, I, I, for, for myself, it, it becomes a second job, to be honest. Monday, my day job, Monday to Friday, 8 to 4, and every other night is spent working on stuff for the, the week ahead and not only just for the game, but anything else that you've done throughout that week. So it ends up kind of whenever I'm not in work, I'm working on some sort of thistle stuff. So, yeah, usually, usually most nights I try and take a Friday night off if I can, but uh other than that it's kind of every night usually unless there's something else that's on my name's neil struthers i'm the volunteer treasurer with the women's team we we have regular kind of committee meetings we've got one we've got one coming up this week so i'll prepare kind of financial information for that I'm just making sure any payments we, we need to make to go out on time various things from gps to to clear data to kind of travel for buses and and just to kind of any player expenses that, that need to be paid. And get any receipts from the, the matches as well when they come to the door. So it's just making sure to keep on top of that and make sure they're all paid kind of as swiftly as possible. Uh, hello, I'm Benny Ferguson, as well as a casual contributor to mm-hmm. Draw, Lose or Draw. I'm the stadium announcer for Partick Thistle Women at Peters Hill. You know, <laughs> first and foremost, you, you hear a, a list of jobs like uh, Craig Walker undertakes, and uh, really, I, I just get to, to have a lot of fun. My involvement with the, the women's team, you know, I was a, a supporter and, and would attend games with the family and whatnot. Craig, as he does with lots of people, asks you for a wee favour <laughs> one Sunday, and then, you know, a, a year and a half goes by and you're, you're, you're still doing the wee favour. But I absolutely love it. It's it's great fun. So in terms of prep, 
a few days before the match. There's a great wee initiative that I, I, I love that the Partick Thistle women do, and the players get to pick the pre-match playlist. Um, so Craig will send me that. We'll both you know, have, have a conversation over WhatsApp to discuss um, how many of the songs we actually know <laughs> initially. And it's that, um, it's, it's often at cruel times like that, you realise how much younger the players are than you and the uh, musical ch- tastes have, have changed dramatically. I'm a fireball. There's, there's some that I, I, I would like to turn down, but uh, no, I always always give them their, their place. I'm thinking it might have been might have been Claire Adams' playlist, and actually it was it was pretty good. And then I, I mean, it's just it's not a, a pre-match playlist without Pitbull on it. Westlife's almost always on it. Abba's on it. So I mean, it's, it can be quite hit and miss. But I mean, I, the the nice thing for me is that when the players are warming up. You can sometimes see them singing along and whatnot, and, uh, and there's always a wee bit of, of, of patter between the players uh, when they know it's someone's playlist. So that, that, that's good to see. But uh, yeah, I've not edited anyone's playlist, I don't think. Uh, on the off chance that there's any sort of songs on my halftime and full-time playlist that are already on the players' pre-match playlists, I'll just make sure that we, we you know, we don't have that. There's no repeats or anything, uh, just to uh, keep it nice and fresh. Hi, um. Tom Hosey and my involvement with Thistle Women on a match day is I provide you with all the misspelt and inaccurate tweets when I get all the players' names wrong and their identity wrong. But no, my primary focus on a match day is to provide all the, the tweet updates or X as it is now, I suppose we should call it. Prep, what's that? <laughs> it sounds like you know, Craig and Vinny do an awful lot of prep and I seem to do absolutely bugger all prep. I suppose doing, you know, doing the, the the live, the updates, the tweets. There's not much prep that you can do because you you can't anticipate what's going to what's going to happen. So really, my my day in terms of media output only really kind of kicks in once the the game kicks off. The only really kind of thing that I prepare in advance is just make sure I've got all the um, all the various graphics to hand, all the goal graphics, the the yellow card graphics, the red card graphics, all that kind of stuff. Make sure that's easily accessible. And really, I say, I just, you know, my, my day doesn't really start properly until the, the match kicks off. And that, that, that's for that kind of kick in a wee bit. You know, Craig will keep me informed of, of you know, match sponsors, mascots, all that kind of thing. If we have any special guests uh, going to be appearing. And I'll just sort of start to prepare notes just a few days before the, the game. And one of the uh, trickier things about being the announcer is just making sure you get player names right. Uh, you know, Derek Gray, he's he, uh, obviously people will know him as the, the voice of FIFA and he'd covered Scotland games for, for a, a wee while, um, Ian Crocker as well. But Derek Gray in particular, he's brilliant at pronouncing players' names. So I take a wee bit of inspiration from him and that's all involved in my prep as well. I'll have a wee look at previous lineups of, of the opposition from weeks before. I'll watch Sports Scene to see how they're pronouncing names. And I was just absolutely delighted when Jacinta left because <laughs> that, that was always a tricky one. 
And I try and do that. And I've I've heard her being announced over Tannoy's as Jacinta. You know, I tried the full. I'll try and do it now. But it was Garabad Dalachi, I think it was. I did get it right on the day. You know, and I remember uh, Kayla McDonald and Gua from Motherwell. I remember her putting a tweet out about how people mispronounced her name a lot. And so I was like, no, nope, need to make sure we get that right. So although there's often the wee wind up of the opposition on the day, you know, I, I do try my hardest, do my prep and uh, make sure that we get it right on the day. But yeah, so there is a wee bit of prep, but certainly not to the length that Craig has to go to. I was lucky enough to catch up with Rosie Slater and Lindsay Taylor before their training session on the Thursday before the Hearts match. Brian Graham also had five minutes to have a chat with me. I'm Rosie Slater and I play for Pirate Thistle Women. During the week I'm a lifeguard, so a full-time lifeguard. And then I train uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights with Thistle and then we play on Sundays at the weekend. My week's arranged around my football really, so to try and make his football as often as possible is the main priority really. It's a team game I suppose, so we need everyone to have the same mindset and we're all just willing to turn up, put the work in and get the rewards at the end of it. My name's Lindsay, I play for Partick Thistle. So I'm a youth worker in a local high school. I work, I'm usually in at 8 in the morning, finish about 4, 4.30 in the afternoon, go home for an hour and a half, get something to eat and then straight back in the train at 6, 6.30. I think the girls are really consistent, so it kind of drives you to be consistent. So you kind of know everybody's going through the same thing, so it's just uh, getting on that. <laughs> Brian Graham, Partick Thistle Women's Manager. I have no social life, put it that way, and if I have got a social event, I need to get up the road early because Sunday mornings are the wee man's football first and foremost, and then I'm rushing up to Peter's Hall or an away game with the girls, so try to balance time is hard, but it's been really rewarding over the last couple of years by doing it. Just building up my manager C V while still playing so it's been great for me if I'm being really honest. It is time consuming but it's been worth it. So what will what will training look like tonight? This is the Thursday. Uh, what what will we be working it's, on tonight? We'll do a bit of analysis before we go out and then it'll be probably a bit of light session, a bit of shaping phase of the play and just hopefully discussing how we can beat hearts on Sunday. Uh, Thursday night's usually quite tactical, we'll kind of look at hearts and kind of see where they're strong, see where they're weak and um, we'll just focus on us and see how we can go and them. It's just prep for, we'll do a bit of video analysis first and foremost in changing room, we've got a TV built in, in there for the girls to do a bit of analyst. We know we'll obviously play against starts but there's things we need to work on and then we'll, go, we'll take that onto the pitch, we'll be warm up based with the sports scientist and then it'll be into prep for Sunday. And then we'll do probably some set plays to finish off. Alright, so when you plan a training session, have you got these planned out weeks and months in advance? Does every week look quite similar? No, no, it's, it, it changes, it varies on the opponent, to be honest with you. Once you go away and do your homework and yeah. watch their last game and stuff, maybe something you pick up new, what they'll be trying, or a quick free kick and make sure you're aware of all these diff- little different aspects of it. Yeah. So it doesn't. it's not the same every week, it, it does vary, but... We've obviously had the international break, but we've obviously Hearts' last game, we've had that watched and we've got a few clips from previous games as well that we'll go over with the girls tonight. So I usually get up maybe about seven-ish, um, just I like to try and stretch my body, have a little walk in there maybe, um, just try and prepare as well as possible, um, have a good breakfast, usually maybe bagels and scrambled egg is my go-to and then just prepare as well as possible before the game and then Game time. Sunday 
want to beat him is like a rubbish kick-off time in terms of like a social life, I suppose. What do you, like, what's that like, giving up that aspect to you? I don't have much of a social life, to be fair, <laughs> but um, I don't mind. I think it's worth it at the end of the day, so yeah, I'm happy to give it up. Saturday night, we'll have something something good to eat. Um, Sunday morning, wake up a bit earlier. Uh, always have the same thing, beans, toast, scrambled eggs. Um, and then we're in about an hour and a half before. Uh, trim's on. Aye. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, well, obviously, when you're a young boy, you need to go out and moan. And one of the biggest, probably best moves, loan moves for me, was T Sterling in the third division at the time with Jim McInerney, who was the manager signed by Morton. I'd taken the job and I went there on loan. And I was training two nights a week and playing on a Saturday, so yeah. from a young age I knew what the part-time players was like. I know they were going to their work and turning up and sometimes still had all their working gear on. And I know the commitments that it takes for a part-time player. But what I've seen in the part-time environment is the men's side only train two nights a week. My girls are here three nights a week. They're going to the gym on a Monday, they're trying to be as full-time as possible. We know we've not got the finances to supplement a full-time environment, but we're trying to create that real professional environment where they get all skilled at full-time footballers and we try and look after them as best as we can. Yeah. If, if money wasn't an object, would you, would you love to manage these players on a full-time basis? Yeah, because I think they've still got a lot to learn. When you only get three nights, only, it's only an hour and a half, four and a half hours a week pitch time, yeah. it is difficult to try and cram everything in. Yeah. If, you get, if you're a full-time environment, you can stay back with players, you can do one-to-ones sometimes, maybe a certain player needs this, but this or that, and done, yeah. worked on. And, I would love to one day recover a full-time environment, but it is all down to finances. And to find ourselves fourth at this time of the season with the finances that we've got yep. above a couple of full-time clubs at the moment in the Edinburgh sides, it's, pro- it's incredible, if I'm being honest, yep. and it's credit and testament to my team. I think when I went into full-time work, I probably struggled. Struggled with a bit of a social life, but I'm trying to find more of a balance now. Yep. Um, but I... <laughs> do, you, do you find that easy? Um, not really, like, I probably feel tired the majority of the time, but uh, I, everybody's in the same boat, especially in a part-time team, everybody's in the same boat. So I actually played full-time for five years before yeah. I came back to Scotland, I was playing abroad. I was just, it's a lot different than that. So was that a self-conscious decision to go to part-time? Um, I think I was just kind of missing home and I wanted more a, more a career, I think. Um, and I felt like full-time football couldn't really give me that. Right. Um, so when I was abroad, you're always kind of missing out with something. You were either missing out with your friends, your family. Sure. Um, and I just felt like coming home could give me a wee bit of everything. The big thing when I first took the job was trying to make it as professional as possible. I came obviously from a professional environment. No disrespect to anyone, but when you first turn up, it was, it was just a hobby to some of the girls, if yeah. being really honest. And I don't I, no, disrespect them in any way shape or form that just it was they like to go play football and they looked at it that way where it was a bit of fun for them whereas when I came in I wanted to win yeah. and I wanted to have that real winning mentality running through the whole group it has taken a bit of time but the rise in the club in a short period of time since I've come in has been incredible yeah. the sky's the limit but I always say this when I do interviews but there's any out there listening as well and they want some money and party person women you're more than welcome to take your call Hey, Tom, in terms of, of this game on Sunday against Hearts, what's what sort of game are you expecting? And I'll come around to all of you and ask, but Tom, you can kick us off with a, a score prediction as well. But what sort of game are you expecting on Sunday? I think first and foremost, it's going to be a very, very difficult game. Um, I think Hearts are probably, I would say, the, the best of the rest. Though I think at the moment we've probably got a fair claim to be the, the best of the rest. Certainly out with the top three, 
parts of the side that have impressed me the most. I mean, they actually they gave us a bit of a doing through in Edinburgh earlier in the season. So I, I think, yeah, it's going to be a very, very difficult one. But, say, looking at that league table, you know, we had a great November with four points clear of Hearts. There's an incentive, a real massive incentive to get seven points clear of them. And that would be phenomenal. I just wonder if that incentive might just be enough to give us a wee edge. Pisa can be a really difficult place to play, especially if that the wind is blowing. It's a tight pitch. So, score prediction. Let me have a think. Um, I'm going to go with 2-1 Thistle. There we go. Excellent. 2-1 Thistle. Excellent. And in terms of of storylines you might be be chasing, Craig, is there anything you've you've got your eye on to try and capture on on Sunday? What what would your dream um, scenario to play out? Uh, obviously a win and to go seven points clear of Hearts. And the other thing is you you, you win on Sunday and uh, Glasgow City are playing Hibs who are immediately below us. So you're you're either moving closer to if you win it you're either moving closer to Glasgow City or uh, further away from Hibs. So uh, a win would be obviously absolutely massive. I'm, I'm a bit of a win. I'm looking for somebody that's maybe not s- scored for a while or or not scored yet or or whatever, taking a score. So I'd, I'd love like a, a win-nil win of Ari Monroe goal near the end or something like that. Just to, uh, I always like when somebody becomes a hero that's maybe not one of your kind of regular kind of uh, regular one, so uh, I'd quite like a, a win nil win. Very win nil with a goal. I'm loving Craig's shoot for Barry to get a goal. She's uh, a grafter, she's had to be very patient in terms of game time, so it'd be lovely if she had a say in, in it. Um, just after the, the, the most recent we run of games, I, I messaged Craig actually and said, I think these next two games are, are season defining. I, I think it's becoming quite obvious now that we're, we're, we're going to be top six, I think. Um, and uh, I think you know if we if we can get a result off Hearts, and then I don't think we'll ever have a better chance at beating City than we do now, given their form. So you know, I I'll go for it. Uh, five 0 Thistle. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> Excellent stuff. The only thing that would really change them actually if somebody's phoned up early and they're not well, then that would change plans. Obviously, you can maybe a few changes, but. Everything's already done in the lead up to match day. The girls are arrive an hour and a half before. Our coaches are probably here about two hours, two and a half hours before the game and probably go over a couple of wee things, take a few wee notes before what we want to say to the girls pre chat before the game, before they go out, make sure they know who they're picking up, all those little details will probably go over set plays again because they're a big aspect of the game and so it's all kind of done prior to the Sunday. Obviously, we've got a sports scientist we like to be hands on, so we're out there making sure we're taking the pass and drills before we're taking the possession, we're taking the shooting. Because we like to be hands on, we like to know how the girls are, making sure the possession's up to a standard where if it's really good, we take that into the game right from the get go. So that's what we can imagine. Uh, and I'll ask Gordon how this season's going to be. Really good run of form. Uh, how does that sort of help get into a, a tough game on Sunday? I think for us it's just confidence. Like the last couple of games, we've taken a lot of confidence from it. We know that Hearts are a good side, but I think we're just focusing on and see what we can go and do. Really good so far. Yeah, couldn't have asked for any better. I don't think so. We're just trying to strive and push together as a team to try and get as far up the table as possible, and hopefully still be there near the end of the season. It's match day 
and Craig has kindly offered me the chance to co-commentate for the live stream alongside Kieran Toohey. I'm standing at Belgrove Station. Uh, it's five past eleven, or about just under two hours away from kickoff now, and I'm about to make my my co-commentary debut. I have my not for me Clive T-shirt on. And I spent the morning writing down all the names of the players for both teams, writing down all their squad numbers, positions, and I was told, like, oh, there's no pressure, you don't need to prep. Kieran, my, my lead commentator, he said, oh, I'll just a fact sheet for you. But still had to put some work in, so I can only imagine how much effort people who have been prepping all week for this is. But I'm excited, and I hope, I hope you enjoy the commentary, or have enjoyed the commentary by the time you listen to this. On match days, I'm the guy that you give the money to at the gate. Prior to that, though, match date starts a lot earlier than that for most of the volunteers and committee. Yeah, so I'll get to Peter's Hill probably about between 11 and quarter past. As I said, to help set up with uh, all the stuff, the advertising boards, the flags, uh, maybe uh, do any other kind of assistance that anyone needs in, in the setup. Get the cash desk all set up. Get things like, you know, make sure all stuff's ready for mascots, making sure when hearts arrive, they know where to go. So that, that's going to spread across all the, all the different committee members. We've each got roles on match day. And then from about 12 o'clock, I'm manning the cash desk. We open the gates an hour before kickoff. It's getting set up for the cash. So the kind of cash desk ready and all the bits of paper we need to record all the um, statistics for the league um, that you see me scrabbling about with a pen and paper when you come through the door. And I'll be manning the cash desks until about 25 minutes past kick. So 25 past one, we tend to shut the cash desk. And then it's just a case of tallying up all the attendance figures to pass on to Vinny for him to read out and getting any kind of cash sorted and paid to people if, if, if we need to on the day. Once the game's finished, it's just the reverse. It's putting everything away, getting down all the advertising boards, putting everything back, getting everything settled for the next match that's going on to Peter's Hill after us. So they uh, tend to finish an hour after kickoff, after final whistle's gone. So um, we've got various uh, statistics that the league wants recorded so they can get some data on who's attending games, what the kind of demographics are, how many away fans there are, things like that. So coming through the door when you see me kind of scrambling about for a wee pen and paper, that's what I'm trying to do. It's not very high tech at the moment, but... Uh, we're that is in. interesting. So you're, you're noting all of that information, you're noting um, home away fans and sort of demographics as well? Yeah, so the, the league wants kind of... It's, it's mainly home away, adult, juvenile and concession is, right. is what they're trying to, to just get. And it's all, it's obviously just... Just, just numbers for them. So we're just, it just gets, it's quite interesting. I think uh, Craig and Craig and Tom are keeping, keeping notes. So we've, we've got a kind of history of, of attendances and how they're growing and can compare to, you know, year on year fixture to fixture to see how, how the slow growth we're getting is, is, is coming through. When I first started what, four seasons ago, getting involved in it, it, it was mainly just families uh, of the, of the players, and then, you know, the occasional additional fans coming through the door, but. You know, now we're seeing regular people come in every single match. The season tickets have increased. We're seeing a lot of additional people. And a lot of people kind of say, well, this is my first time, so they're not really sure. And then you recognise them a couple of weeks later, which is good to see as well. So it's all trying to just get engagement as well. So that's why when I'm doing the gate, I'm trying to engage with people as well when they come through the door. So when it's like small kids, ask them what they think the school's going to be. And, you know, just, just trying to engage them and try and make it a kind of positive experience when they come from the moment they come into the into Peter's Hill on a Sunday. Is there anything the fans coming in the door could do to make your life a bit easier? I think they're all pretty good, uh, to be honest. They're mostly in the swing of things now um, in terms of cash and, and card payments. So I guess trying to be there before one so I could actually watch the whole game rather than kind of 
spending the first 20 minutes kind of you know there's kind of standing joke that as soon as I start packing up and as soon as I get the card machine put away and packed away every you know two or three other people will come in want to pay a card so we try and delay as long as possible but I get in getting around time just so the girls get the support right from the right from the outset. My name's Kieran Tui I'm the commentator for Partick Thistle Women's Kieran, how do you prepare for a, a game? Uh, you've brought a lot of notes with you today. You've brought a lot of tech equipment as well. What goes into your match day preparations? Match day for me, so I also write the previews for the women's games. So I get a lot of insight into whoever we're playing, whether that be Hearts today, Motherwell last week, you know. It takes a lot of effort. The issue with me is that I want to be perfect and find all these stats and unfortunately the, the Scottish women's game doesn't quite have them so I need to do a lot of different research. I felt like I had a lot of notes today, you know I spent a good couple of hours trying to figure out you know, who their top scorer is, who their form is, what formation they play, trying to find somewhere that shows what formations is quite difficult. I do what I can and uh, obviously there's a team of us here and we, we have all the equipment that we try and set up and try and put through a, a decent live stream. For the viewers. In terms of your commentary style, how have you shaped that? I would say I'm quite controversial with my commentary because I can be quite opinionated. And it's not with any intentional, but I feel like just with some of the decisions that go against us. Like I had last week against, a few weeks ago against Montrose, I had one of the Montrose players in the comments section's father call me a clown. <laughs> so, um, that was that was funny. Starting off with the Vistos, number one, Parker Smith, number four, Brownlee. How much do you get to enjoy the games, Tom, while you're, while you're doing that? I imagine it must be quite difficult. Um, do you enjoy games where you've got you've got lots to do, or do you quite enjoy sort of being able to sit back and actually take the games in with without having to send many updates? Well, it was quite. Um, I was off duty at the men's game on Saturday when we played the Airdrie, and I noticed that I saw much more of the game when I'm just watching without providing updates. So, yeah, I do enjoy the games, but no, you, you, one of the problems is if something happens and then something happens almost straight after it, you quite often miss what it is that's happened. So you have to check with somebody like who put the cross in or who was it that scored the goal even. It's different. It's a different experience when you're updating than what it is when you're just sitting back and watching it. It's still very enjoyable. Touch wood, this hasn't happened at Pizzi for a while and it hasn't happened anywhere for a while but then if you, your Wi-Fi connection drops and suddenly you can't provide any updates or as happened to me last season just about five minutes before kickoff when my laptop completely decided to die on me that was a bit stressful and there might have been a one or two wee sweary words at that point you say they don't happen too often but they could they kind of be the, the things that can stress you out that can make it less enjoyable but in, in general, no, it's 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 fine. It's it is a slightly different experience, certainly. But no, it's no less enjoyable for that. Hearts usually deploy a sort of four-three-three, four-two-three-one formation, but today they're they've deployed something else. I mean, Brownlee looks to be more further forward than she usually is. It looks like a back three for Hearts. 
Lockwood in behind. And she will put it in the back of the net. And that's 1-0 to, to Hearts early on. Just about four minutes into this game. And so we're talking about that formation that sort of opened up the Jags back lane. And Lockwood, I mentioned earlier how dangerous she's been this season. And she's, she's found her 11th of the campaign. You can kind of go into the day with kind of stories in your head of how what can happen, kind of things that might happen. Uh, one thing me and Tom have done a lot recently, and Tom put a lot of work into it in terms of the stats. So we keep quite good stats of all the players and their appearances and their goals, etc. So you're, you're kind of looking out for anything, anybody who's scored a milestone goal or anything like that. Obviously within each game there's a storyline that you kind of hope, hope will come true or, or whatever. So you, there's things in your mind, but as of these things, you, you can't predict much. And uh, I, I know from experience, both with the men's and women's game, once there's been many times where you're sitting during a game and it'll be going one way and you'll have all this great content in your, your head and things you're going to post out and things you're going to create and then the game turns or something happens and suddenly uh, it's all in the bin. So I try not to get too ahead of myself, try and uh, get in the moment. I'm, I think anybody that's been to games, if it's a particularly close game or a particularly important game, that uh, I get, I'm, a, I'm quite nervous and I start pacing along the sidelines towards towards the end of the game and just a lot of nervous energy. Uh, so it's I, sometimes tough to enjoy the game as such. Maybe he's in there. Young goalkeeper on loan from Glasgow City. She'll find Doherty, who'll look for Donaldson. She'll find her. Looks to release Lawton down the right-hand side. And this could be a chance here for Partick Thistle. Lawton now cuts inside. Can't quite get past. I believe it was Waldy that stopped her. Probably the best-looking attack Thistle have had all, all game, though. Yep, that's the first time Emma Lawton's getting behind. And that's been a, a key feature of Thistle's attack in this season. Ball bounce about. And there we go. Oh, the... The goal has gone, and that is one each goal there by Imogen Longcake. This will do get their equaliser. half-time playlists uh, there's a bit of a, a, a running joke that Vinny gets to play whatever songs he wants which is true but um, I rely on my children to keep me up to date with what's uh, hip and in, in, in the charts at the moment and so I'll often throw uh, a, a wee song in there at half-time you know for the kids uh, a, wee, a wee popular music song and then I get to make up the rest of the playlists which is just uh, terrific fun Henderson's came all the way back to get the ball. Looking for a long ball forward. Finds Donaldson. Lawton now. It's a fantastic defender. Donaldson will get the shot off. Five in the wall for Thistle. Sinclair just to the side of it. 
Hearts have a lot of bodies in this box. It is low and it is into the bottom corner. Frustrating for the Jags as it's scored just as we pass the 45th minute. I think the draft excluder can be can be mocked sometimes, but it might have come in handy there. I think the wall jumped and the ball just went under it. As you mentioned, though, made use of the, the slippery surface and it was a well-struck free kick with too much power for reasoning goal, who didn't have a chance. I think from my point of view, I spent a lot of time with the girls during the week as well and September training and speaking to them and before before a game. So you're that wee, wee bit more invested in them as well uh, and not just kind of, kind of what, what the result is. So you kind of, you, you feel, if, if it's not going the way, you feel it for them as well. And I think when, when you win, you're delighted for them as well as obviously as a fan that you've, you've just won an important game or whatever. There's Emma Lawton breaking down this right-hand side. This is a real chance here for the Jags. Low cross. Face Taylor. What a save by Parker Smith. And the ball's ended up in the back of the net regardless. He's given a corner. No. What's it? The referee's given a corner kick. I think he thinks the ball is already out here before Taylor heads it back across. I think that's what he's given. I think he thinks the ball's out after the save from from Parker Smith. It was an excellent save from the Hearts goalkeeper. And the ref's given a corner for the ball going out before it could be cut back across. That whole attack came, though, with, with Lawton getting in behind getting in behind Handley at left wing back for one of the first times this afternoon. And that's... That's what's been key to Thistle's success this season. That's one of the, the few times we've seen that today. So I th- I th- I th- it's been actually that long since, in, t- in terms of Thistle, that I've been to a game and just, just watched it. Uh, yeah. And I think it'd be incredibly uh, a, a bit of a weird experience. I know kind of going to Scotland games and stuff, it's, it's, it's all a bit strange when you're not got that sort of something to kind of concentrate on and uh, something to do. It's, it's, it's a bit of a weird feeling once... Obviously, once you've been doing it as long as I have, it's uh, that's just how you, <laughs> how you go to the football now. Just talk it on our own back for Thistle. Ball in. It's fouled by Faulkner. She can't quite get the finish off. That's two now with Thistle. That wasn't a header, but they have been left free in between the goalposts. A couple of chances from set pieces. Bullock appeared to have taken a bit of a knock. Don't know if she's perhaps kicked it pulled the muscle while she's doing so cut out there by Slater this is dangerous Headley breaking down that that wing looking for the ball in and it's found there by Lockwood and it's it's really unlucky there for the Jags to be 3-1 down well we mentioned that Thistle were getting a bit of joy down their right hand side but it's Harps going the other way down their left hand side I think that's been a key battle this afternoon and it was Handley who put the ball in and it was a, a well taken finish it's a very good goal by Hearts can't complain about that it's dangerous to be honest it's the way the way I always look at things is as someone that creates the content and Tom will be the same we can't control what goes on in the pitch like uh, but what we can control is the storylines and the con- what that con- story that content tells so even if Say, say the the, the, the the girls get beat. There's, there's still a storyline within that that they might have played well, they might have been up against 
a Rangers and got beat 1 0. The things like that, there's still a story to be told. Do you mean I always say it, the, the, the girls all have full time jobs and the effort they put into going playing football they do is unbelievable. So that that's still a positive to tell, even if the result doesn't go the way. But I think in terms of obviously winning games, it's just a lot easier to get content out. Now with Donaldson, back to Bullock. Slater. This is dangerous. Oh, this is dangerous. Oh. I think I know what's coming. Yep. Yep. So red card for Debbie Faulkner. She had one in the first half where she got a, a short back pass and it was very unlike her to, to get caught in the ball like that and really I don't think she can have any complaints. It's now my worry that heads will entirely drop. You're right. I, I mentioned about using the, the sense of injustice positively. We just need to make sure we don't use it negatively and we do keep our heads for the, the remainder of this game. It's just incredibly unlucky. And there's Lockwood again looking for a for a hat check and the ball's bounced about and the referee's given it. Well, we talk about player reaction. Eason's definitely claiming that she had the ball in her hands there. I'll be interested to see the replay on that. This game's been taken away from Thistle in a, in a matter of five minutes, really. I love the stuff we do with Brian after the game uh, in terms of filming his post-match speech, etc. And, and and I think that's where we're extremely lucky, both as a club, to have someone like Brian that's A, so passionate, but B, so open to these things. Like a lot of managers might well just say, no, you're not coming near the dressing room, you're not you're, you're not filming these things, but Brian's up for it. And I, I think that gets a good reaction. It, it helps show Brian off as well as... Obviously, you see what I pitched on a Saturday, but there's a lot of good he does, does on a Sunday with the women's team beyond the results. And I think it's good to get that out there as well. And I, I really enjoy kind of a lot of behind the scenes stuff because it's still something that's unique to Park Thistle in t- terms of I think we're one of the only ones that are kind of doing it. I, th- I think it's, it's good for, for fans to see things like that as well. Here's what manager Brian Graham thought of the game. Brian, in the end, a four on defeat, but didn't reflect what went on in the game. No, I think we've went to toe, toe to toe with a very good side in this league, and it's not a fair reflection of the performance of my girls. I thought they were excellent from start to finish. We lose a sloppy goal, don't get me wrong, but we get ourselves back in it, and then I thought we finished the, well, we finished the second half strongly, give away a cheap free kick. We can't let it go through the wall. That we've got to do, the wall's got to do our job. Two one at half time. We regrouped. We came out second half. We were fighting for everything. We get ourselves back in the game. We get level, and they, they roll it out and say it's a corner. Listen, Lindsay Taylor should probably score before it gets to that point. But then she does well to keep keep it alive, and we then go and score a very good goal. Being ruled out, and then we lose our captain. Where's the consistency? Kira Grant's on a yellow card. Takes one of our players out middle of the park. Just get, it's just a foul. Just get up and play on. Demi's. Demi makes a foul. I think she makes a, it's a correct decision. She got a foul, but Rosie Slater's out of cover. There's no way it's a straight red card. No way. I said to the linesman in the far side, he said to me, I don't care. You can't even speak to them. I was, I was the one to get a yellow card for shouting on. 
but when I try to speak to the line, linesman, I don't care what kind of response is that for an official. So, listen, you can hear my voice. I'm bitterly disappointed with the result because I, d- I don't think it's a fair reflection for my girls. Is that the most frustrating thing that those big moments we had the chances we didn't take them, but in those big moments were decisions, and then it just unravels from there. Listen, first and foremost, we've got to look at ourselves, right? We created numerous chances. We've got to take them. See, at this level against a very good opponent, you've got to take them. We don't take them, but then when things like that happen in a game it gets you angry it annoys you because it's a perfectly good goal it goes 2-2 the game swings back in our favour we're already in, we're already on top at that point even though we were losing 2-1 for then it unravel in a crazy 5-10 minute period where we get a player sent off the third one and the fourth one it's bitterly disappointing I'm, I'm gutted for my team today as you said more disappointed for the team and the effort they put in that their efforts weren't rewarded as what kind of deserved listen we're on the pitch for 4.5 hours that's against a full time team have invested heavily in their, their squad they're a fantastic outfit got a good manager they're a good out we are part time team pulling away against the, the best in the country today by the way and my girls were brilliant there's no question nobody can tell me different but the big lesson for my girls is when you create those amount of chances you've got to take them at this level or you get punished Disappointing, obviously, with the scoreline, but I think, as Brian said, it, it doesn't reflect the game, it doesn't reflect the girls' performance, and once again, once again you saw a team that went out there and gave it their all. They, they were good uh, for most of the game. Should have had a second goal, which changes the game. That changes the game. Danny gets sent off, and suddenly all the big decisions are going against you, and it just starts to unravel from there. So scoreline doesn't really reflect it, but I think performance was there anyway. We gave Amy Bullock the man of the match in commentary and Rosie Slater got the sponsors man of the match. Did anyone else catch your eye or do you agree with those calls? I, th- I think those two were the, the two. I think Amy Bullock kind of pulled the strings in that number six role, as I think they call it these days. Very good, brought the play up and uh, she was excellent. And Rosie Slater in a number of positions, she was moved about a bit after, uh, after the red card. So she went out there and gave it all and I thought those two were my picks as well. We've heard earlier on in the podcast how much time in your week goes towards preparing for for Thistle games of the weekend how are you going to unwind tonight it's a Sunday before another big week next week uh, yeah it's, it's after a game like that where you're disappointed for the girls you're disappointed at the scoreline it's hard to kind of relax and unwind after after a game like that especially the emotions of kind of the decisions that went against us so it's going to be a difficult one but uh, just get all the content out from today and then we, we, as I said Monday starts a new week and we'll look ahead to another big game with Glasgow City next week and uh, I, I don't think there's ever been a, a good a good chance to go out there and possibly take something. I did today, obviously, a few few decisions went against us, so I've made a few probably comments that you wouldn't see Peter Drury making, but yeah, it happens. I just I just try to take it a game as it comes. I'm still growing, I'm still learning. Well, I shared the commentary box with you today, I thoroughly enjoyed it. We had a, a very eventful game to talk about. Do you like it when games are that eventful? Does that make your job easier? Oh, absolutely. See if I would, I would prefer to have a game where we lose 4 1 then probably a game that we draw 0-0 and nothing happens you know I probably should be saying that because you take a point over a loss but from a commentary perspective you want to have chances you want to see controversy happen it's just it's one of these things in the in the game that you love to see we're also joined by Vinny Ferguson the stadium announcer who you'll have heard earlier in the episode Vinny what did you make of that game today? We, I mean, we, we said earlier in the sort of preview that it would be uh, it'd be a, a tough game, but I think we could compete, and I think we did exactly that. Um, like Hearts started very quickly, but I think we came into it really well, and probably could have scored more in the first half. 
Um, but you know, as Kieran just said, there was a bit of controversy about today's game. As there always is in this league, uh, Kieran, you'll probably agree. Every week there's some sort of bizarre refereeing decision, and we were on the receiving end of one today um, with the, the, the chopped off goal for our uh, what would have been our second equaliser. But I mean, we are still a part time team. We're still relatively new to this league, and the fact that we're competing with a full time team. 4-1 didn't really reflect the game at all. I, I felt like obviously when we went down to 10, like it was, you know, Hearts were dominant. They're a good team, a brilliant team. I, I really enjoy watching Hearts. It was the same last season, some great players. But uh, I, we, we continue to compete and I, st- I still think even if Demi misses next week, we'll compete against City next week as well. I completely agree with that. I mean, Hearts are one of these teams, I said, into the build-up. Katie Lockwood and Georgia Timms are the two dangerous players. Lockwood scored two, two shots that you aren't stopping, and Georgia Timsmart completely kept it bay. It's one of these things that it's, you know, game could have gone two each, it went 3-1 and then 4-1 and the red card, but listen, we've competed with them, that shows the level of maturity from us, the growth, you know, Brian's still shouting these players for 100%, even after everything that's happened, can they complain? I think it was a spirited performance for 90 minutes, I think, in terms of the match, it was, it was an even match for 65-70 minutes until the red card. Uh, Vinny, in commentary we gave Amy Bullock the man of the match and Rosie Slayer got the sponsors man of the match. Did anyone else catch your eye today? Yeah, I thought until they're saying no, Demi Faulkner was superb. There was one moment, I'd, like, I just made an audible sort of, oh, like that as she sort of rolled the attacker at I one point. I know exactly what you and, thought and just, the, the ball came across her, like, and she was, her body shape looked all wrong, but then she just rolled the attacker and just strode away with the ball. It was a phenomenal bit of defending, and she does that week in, week out. And I, Tom always says it, but Demi Faulkner is like a solid eight out of ten every single week. She's just a, a, a phenomenal centre back. The fact that she doesn't get the plaudits and at a wider level is, is just beyond me. Um, I thought Emil, um, uh, Imogen Longcake had a good game, and Donaldson, I think, playing more as a striker today, yeah. did pretty well as well. But I, I can't disagree with Bulls as well. I thought I thought she was excellent. Did did very little wrong at all. Benny, we heard you uh, have a few comments for the referee. You, you weren't on the mic at that stage, but are you ever tempted to, to offer the referee some advice over the tannoy? So I've got my 11-year-old Callum uh, right next to me here. And uh, what was it the fourth goal? We thought might have been a wee bit offside. And he was like, just get in the microphone and shoot at him. <laughs> so the, the temptation is there, even if it's your son saying, like, just do it, it's fine. Um, but um, my my boo is is famed, uh, so I, I unleashed one today. Not over the microphone, but probably didn't need it to no, be honest. Definitely didn't need that microphone that you could. No, hear. we headphones on. We heard you. I'll, I'll watch that back. <laughs> I'm very disappointed. I think there's been two big big calls. The one to not give us the equaliser, which I've seen it back in the stream, and if it's behind the line. It's defied the laws of physics to end up in the back of the net, so I don't understand that. Um, and okay, when the red card comes, it's 3-1, but she's near a possible park when she has her own penalty box, so somebody explain to me how that's denying a clear goal-scoring opportunity. It's a busy day for you, Tom. You were doing the match updates for the social media channels. Do you like games like that when it's, it's busy and you've got plenty to do, or are you, are you a bit stressed at the moment? Um, it, always a bit stressed. Um... It's easier when it's a nice, comfortable 4-5-0 win, but we don't get too many of them at this level, unfortunately. And it's cold, and your fingers are cold, and I'm still trying to recover from Friday, and it's all a bit miserable at the moment. 
Um, we've spoken about a couple of players we were impressed by. I think we gave Amy Billick man of the match in commentary. Who was who were the standouts in Thistle shots for you today? Amy for me actually. Um, only just ahead of Rosie, I thought he was absolutely outstanding in the centre of the defence. It's good that she's moved across there in the last few weeks and been so good because obviously we're going to miss Demi for next week's game against Glasgow City, which will be a, a big miss. But no, I thought Amy's been excellent all season and I don't think she always gets the attention and the praise that she deserves. So it's good that she's got, you know, it's good she's got the, the commentary player of the match award. I'm just leaving Peter's Hills Park. I've made my co-commentary debut alongside Kieran, who, who guided me through the 90 minutes very well. I think you've probably just heard from Vinny, Tom, Kieran, Craig, about what they thought of the game. I thought, stick with our thoughts, really. I thought Thistle played some, some nice stuff between maybe minute 10 and minute 65 or so. Very unlucky to have the goal disallowed. I don't think... I maybe disagree with Tom. I thought Demi Faulkner that did deserve the red card. I think as soon as she's she's made the challenge, me and myself and Kieran Cobbage have made maybe the same noise. We knew it was coming. But I don't think 4-1 was a fair reflection of the game. In terms of the technical commentary itself, I think it was a great insight to see what effort goes into putting on a, a media production at a venue like Peter's Hill. Lots of volunteers coming, arriving early, setting things up. Lots of hard work from guys like Kieran to have all the stats in front of him. Thoroughly enjoyed it. David here. Um, I was the only person that knew about Matt being in commentary before Sunday. Craig asked him to do the favour and he was happy to do it but I mean Matt himself will say he was very nervous at the time and I think he was a bit worried about getting something wrong or you know making mistakes or you know whatever just not not talking enough but I but I watched this stream and listened to Matt's commentary I thought he'd done very well um I, he was a good colour man next to Kieran on play by play he offered enough insight about the game and sounded knowledgeable if you watched this and didn't know it was his first time, you wouldn't be able to tell. Um, I thought he gave great insight. In the world of Matt Lawrenson's and Danny Murphy's and John Hartson's, he covered himself in glory. Well, he sounded really good and a great effort all round. In terms of the game itself, as the others have mentioned, the result didn't really reflect the performance. I thought Fissel were really good, but when that second goal is not given, a baffling decision it, you know, I I don't understand how it could have been out and then went in. We should have scored before that, but you know that is what it is. And then the red card it just all unravelled at that point, and Hearts are able to claim the win. All in all, though, Fissel this season have been really great, and this is obviously in conjunction with the semi final on Sunday against Hibs. And I would heartily recommend everyone to go along, show their support. We've had. Players from the Fissile Women's side on before and they always talk about having that support and it, it kind of gives them that extra gear uh, to go into. And I think getting a big crowd down at Peter's Hill for 4.15 Sky Sports Cup semi-final. I mean, what else can you ask for? We're in a semi-final of a National Cup. If we win, we'll get to our first final in, what, 50-odd years? I would heartily recommend that you go down. Um, t- team are doing fantastic at the moment, and hopefully we'll see more success from them. We'll get hearts next time, assert ourselves as a proper top six side, and hopefully we'll get Matt in commentary again. I, for one, can't wait for Matt's iconic commentary 
as we lift the Sky Sports Cup at Tynecastle um, in the final um, in February. An iconic moment that will resonate for ages. And you can say you were on the road to Tynecastle. Sunday, 4.15, Peters Hill Park, Thistle versus Hibs, semi-final, £7. And it's sure to be a great game. Us and Hibs have a great rivalry and I'm really looking forward to it. And as many, if we can get as many fans as possible there, that would be absolutely brilliant. So, well done, Matt. Well done, Thistle. And let's go that step further on Sunday. I get wings to fly. Oh, I'm alive. Putting this episode together has provided me with a real insight into the volume of effort undertaken by a team of volunteers to not only put a match on, but also to present it as professionally as possible via club media channels. That's before we even get on to talk about the sacrifices made by the players and coaching staff every week. The things you take for granted like advertising boards, Twitter streams, commentaries and interviews are the product of hours and hours of work throughout the week by a band of people that we are lucky to have associated with the club. As you've heard from Brian Graham, he is rightfully proud of the effort and commitment shown by his players to turn up to training after their own full-time job three nights a week just to play on a Sunday. If you haven't already gone to see the women's team play at Peters Hill, please make sure you do it. It's a, a great day out and they're playing some great football at the moment and they deserve all of our support. This episode of Draw, Lose or Draw was written by Matt Greer and edited by David Forrest. Our thanks go to Neil Struthers, Vinnie Ferguson, Tom Hosey, Kieran Toohey, Lindsay Taylor, Rosie Slater, Brian Graham and Craig Walker. Thank you for listening. I'm